We've, there's been several of these characteristics that we've been walking through over these uh, past several weeks um, that we as Christians should be displaying, uh, putting it on display for the world, for the glory of God, reflecting his character to the people around us. Um, but as we think about these different characteristics, uh, there's no way that we could display that God-honoring character apart from God's work in our hearts. And we can't uh, display it apart from the truths that lie behind that work that God is doing. Uh, so I wanted to start tonight just by walking through the, the gospel truths that, that lay at the heart of um, all of these, these characteristics that we're called to show um, by, by looking at, at who God is, who we are in respect to God, and what Christ did uh, to uh, step into that relationship and, and how that just uh, calls us to respond. Um, so God is the good, holy, perfect, just creator of all things. He is worthy of our worship and he is completely holy and other, cannot tolerate anything less than perfect. Um, we as men were created by God to have a special relationship with him, to image him to this world, and to um, serve him, honor him, praise him. Um, but we fractured that relationship by choosing to serve ourselves instead of God. We uh, rejected him, looked for our pleasure outside of his design. We said um, that, that we knew better and found only pain and God's judgment instead of the, uh, the pleasure and the, the joy that we were hoping to find in that. Um, so into that, that broken relationship where we are facing God's judgment is where Christ uh, came in, both fully God and fully man, to restore that relationship, living the righteous life that we could never live, and taking our sin upon himself to satisfy God's wrath. And by his death on the cross before then rising again to new life that we might also share in his life as we follow him. These truths have to lead us to, to joyfully respond by giving ourselves completely to following Christ um, and living in a manner that, that is pleasing to him. This is something that, that can only be accomplished by the work of God's spirit within us driving out our sin and aligning us with God's character. Uh, but in order to encourage that work, we have to keep uh, the truths of the gospel fresh in front of us as the fuel for that work that God is doing in our hearts, reminding us of those truths that we're responding to um, in order to create that right response uh, in our hearts. So servanthood is, is one of the many uh, characteristics that we've been looking at in, in these past few months that are all um, flowing from God and his character. And as a result, they aren't these separate and distinct things that can be um, parsed out and we can choose to, to grow in one thing while ignoring all the rest. Um, it, as, as we look at servanthood, that is very much tied to generosity. It's very much tied to um, living with joy and to walking in humility. Um, all of these uh, characteristics are 
intertwined um, as a natural expression of our worship of God. Uh, that, that's something that should define us, that should be a part of our identity. Um, and so as we, as we turn to look specifically at servanthood, uh, that's something that we're most often, uh, we, we look to the outward visible acts of service, um, but it's not the quantity of those acts, it's not the quality of those acts that define servanthood. Um, servanthood is a heart attitude and a personal identity that we carry with us throughout our life, wherever we go, whatever we're doing. Um, it's a heart that desires to care for the people around us as God cares for those people. Um, so to, to jump into to servanthood, I want to start by walking back through those gospel truths and looking at how servanthood fits into each of those, those pieces. Um, so from the outset, we were made to serve God. We were made as his servants, intended to obey and worship him as we care for his creation. This was God's good design. It was imprinted upon our hearts. It was our purpose and our identity. Um, when living as God's servants, you know, things were very good. Things were, were perfect as, as God intended them to be. However, uh, as we talked about, we chose to put ourselves in God's place in that situation, um, seeking to serve ourselves instead of God. Um, thinking we could, we could find something better outside of God than we could uh, submitting to his will. Um, this is something we see at the heart of our culture that's permeated with individualism, uh, that just stubbornly seeks to serve that which helps accomplish our plans, that which helps accomplish our purposes, advance our agendas. And, and this is a, a me-first attitude that is wired into each of our hearts as a part of the fall uh, when, when sin entered the world through Adam and has been a part of, of every human's life ever since, that me-first attitude is, is uh, rooted in that, um, that fractured God's good design, denying his purpose for us. Um, and so it's, it's into that that God sent Christ to reclaim his lost and broken servants both showing us how to live as servants in Christ's example and the way that he lived on this earth, and also providing a means by which God could empower us to change and to be redeemed and be brought back to that original uh, purpose and design to be his servants. Since that work that, that Christ accomplished that brings us to salvation is an unearned free gift of grace, um, this a uh, call to serve God is not a burden that is placed on us. It's not a requirement that we have to fulfill, uh, but instead it's something that we are set free to do out of worship towards God. Our hearts overflow in that, that worship, and, and that is what leads us to serve, not the sense of we need to do X, Y, and Z in order to earn God's favor, in order to um, uh, get back to him. Christ has accomplished that work, and as a result, we are set free to serve. So as we uh, seek to honor God as servants, um, we have to start by looking at Christ uh, to see what that looks like, how we should be um, going about it. Uh, so as we, as we look to Jesus' example, 
Um, I wanted to start with with Matthew 4, uh, verses 8 to 10, as we're we're looking at Jesus being tempted in the desert. Um, This just marks the start of Jesus' life of of consistent submission that that we're privy to in Scripture. He lived in submission to the Father's will before this, but uh, this is uh, such a key moment uh, for the story of what what God's doing to redeem his creation. Uh, So Matthew 4, uh, picking up in verse 8, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And in this moment, Jesus was the first man to choose to serve God rather than himself when presented with that choice. He said that God is the only one that he would serve, not Satan, even though that would advance, you know, that would give him glory in that moment, that would make his life easier in that moment. Um, serving God was the right choice, and, and every man up to that point had made the wrong choice. <laughs> Uh, But um, as we see Jesus choosing to serve God in in this moment, in this temptation, we we see uh, that Jesus knows our struggle, and we see uh, that Jesus is the source of power by which we also can choose to serve God instead of self. Um, This is something that is driven home in Hebrews 4, uh, verse 15. It says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so it's, it's that high priest that we place our, our hope in as, as we see him choosing to submit to God uh, as we so often fail to do. So uh, after that moment, we see Jesus' ministry to the people around him uh, on the, the day-to-day level and, and get a chance to see what that that looks like as he's going about his life. Um, And the the thing that's abundantly clear in that is that Jesus served anyone and everyone (laughs) around him. He he met very tangible, pressing needs. Didn't matter what else he was doing at that moment. Uh, He met the needs of the people that God God put in front of him. So uh, walk through several instances that we see that in, in Matthew quickly here. Um, uh, Matthew 8 verse 16 that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick in Matthew 12 verse 14 the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him here we see Jesus facing adversity and persecution Jesus aware of this withdrew from there many followed him and he healed them all in Matthew 14, verses 13 and 14, Jesus had just heard of the death of John the Baptist. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Later in that same chapter, that same day, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. 
Matthew 15, verse 30, great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. They put them at his feet, and he healed them. And Matthew 21, 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So there's several threads that we see through all of these, these instances, um, but it's just abundantly clear the way that, that Jesus was consistent with his choice to serve. Uh, it didn't matter where he was at. It didn't matter what he was doing. He sought to care for those people that God put in front of him. Healing was not something that Jesus occasionally added to his calendar as something that he'd do when he had time, uh, maybe next Saturday. It was what he did <coughs> wherever he went, no matter what else was going on. Jesus was not selective about who he chose to serve. He served all of the people that came to him, regardless of whether they were people that the world would deem as worthy or respectable. Uh, we also should be quick to serve whatever people God puts into our path, even if they aren't the people that we would choose to serve, aren't the ones that we would desire to serve. Jesus was also not selective about when he chose to serve. <clears throat> People came when he was tired, when he was worn out, when he was beaten down, when he was grieving, when he was busy, when he was being pursued. But in the midst of all of that, he stopped to make time for the people in front of him, to serve them and to care for them. And something that we see very clearly in this is that serving is not limited to the times that we feel good, the times that we feel prepared, the times that we feel like we have the energy or the capacity to handle uh, that, that opportunity to serve someone. In fact, uh, something that, that we see elsewhere in scripture is that servanthood is a characteristic that shines most clearly when we are at our weakest. Um, Jesus uh, speaks to, to Paul as Paul is uh, complaining about a thorn in his side. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And that is um, certainly true when it comes to serving, that even when we're at our weakest, God can and will work through us. Uh, so not only does Jesus <coughs> demonstrate in his daily life uh, some of the ways that, that serving others can and, and should look like, uh, but he also calls us to do the same in his teaching. Uh, so let's go ahead and turn to Matthew 25, uh, where Jesus explains what it means to serve God in the middle of a world that has so many practical, tangible needs. So in Matthew 25, picking up in verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So as we see in Jesus' teaching here, we are called to look out for the people that God has placed in our lives, not to ignore them as we go about our day, not to pass them by, not to look past them towards our plans, towards the next thing that we want to get to, um, but to recognize the needs of the people around us and, and seek to move towards those people. As we think about what, who the, the least of these are, the least of these includes our spouses, our children, our parents, our church family, it includes our neighbors, our coworkers, it includes the homeless person that we pass on the street. The least of these is all of the people that God has made and that he loves dearly. Serving the people that God has put closest to us, uh, such as our family, our church family, is definitely where we should be starting in that. We should be faithfully serving those people first and foremost. Um, however, it can definitely become easy for that to be what is comfortable and what is easy. Um, we have to be willing to leave the comfort of the people that we know, the places that we frequent, in order to seek out those rejected by the world, just as Jesus so often did in his ministry. We should keep in mind uh, that God is not keeping score on how many different people we serve. The, the point is not to, to go out and hunt down as many people as possible um, to, to reach out to. Maybe that's what God is calling you to at some moment, but oftentimes God is most glorified by, by consistently and persistently serving one person well, serving a few people well. Um, but we should be serving whatever people God has put into our lives and not uh, seeking to pass them by. Um, ultimately, that, that fact that, that God is not trying to keep track of how many different people that we can serve is, is because Servanthood is not about the things that we do, uh, but is primarily about our heart in doing it. We see this in Galatians 1, verse 10, where Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that is a, a strong statement that he makes there, that... Um, we could be doing plenty of acts of service, doing things for other people, and not be a servant of Christ if our desire is to please man instead of God. We should be motivated by trying to please God, trying to point others to him through our actions. Uh, <clears throat> but so often, our motives instead turn towards ourself and, and what can, can benefit us. Uh, for example, uh, choosing to, to take care of the dishes to serve your spouse. Are you doing that because you know it will make them feel loved, make them feel cared for? Or are you doing it to try to earn their love, to earn your, your place in that relationship? 
if you're helping out your coworkers, are you doing it to gain the, the favor of that person? Or are you doing it to honor God and shine his light in the workplace? If you're serving here at church, is that something that you're doing in order to look like a good Christian, in order to put your gifts on display? Or is that something that you're doing out of a desire to build up the body that God has placed you in and out of a desire to use those gifts that God has given you to his glory? If you're stopping to help a stranger on the side of the road, are you doing it because that's a person that God loves and cares about very deeply? Or are you doing it simply to ease a guilty conscience? Um, as sinful people, our motives are never going to be completely pure. Uh, we're never going to have the exact right heart um, and so as a result, we, we shouldn't wait to start making those choices to serve people until we get our heart right. Uh, but we should be identifying places where sin is at work in the midst of our service, confess that to God, and ask him to work to change our hearts, to align us with, with his heart. Because ultimately, all of these uh, sinful motives uh, are so uh, weak and shallow in comparison with the gospel. There is no motive as powerful as the gospel. Um, if we are going to live a life of service, it has to be motivated by the gospel. No sinful motive will ever drive us to a life that is consistently marked by serving and caring for other people. And as we're looking at having that right heart, this is where humility becomes absolutely essential for servanthood. We cannot serve as we are called unless we stop seeking our own glory and start humbling ourselves before both God and others. Jesus, once again, uh, demonstrates this in uh, John 13. Um, John 13, uh, skip around a little bit, but start in verse 3. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Here we see Jesus who had every right to be served and honored. Right at the, the start of that passage, it highlights that he had come from God and was going back to God. And yet, even though he should be on the throne in, on this earth, he chose to lay aside his glory and to take the place of the lowliest servant in this situation. We, who have uh, no right to be served or honored, are in no position to consider ourselves to be above anyone or above anything. Uh, we should be following Christ's example to take the lowest place and to do the things that nobody wants to do. The reality of servanthood is that it, it comes with sacrifice, sacrifice of, of doing things that, that we don't want to do. Uh, 
whether that's because there are things that no one wants to do or things that get in the way of the things that our hearts desire. Um, but as Jesus tells his disciples in both Matthew and Luke, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And the image here of taking up your cross is a powerful image of sacrifice. Uh, comes with giving up everything. Uh, sacrifice, in, in terms of servanthood, uh, can include many things. I think many of them are shown in this image of taking up a cross. It includes sacrificing time, energy, physical pain. Uh, it could mean missing out on plans. It could mean giving up your resources. Uh, it could mean doing things that go unnoticed, putting a lot of time and energy and effort in without getting any recognition or reward back from that. It could mean causing yourself humiliation or uh, a loss of respect in the eyes of, of other people. But all of these uh, different things are, are what Christ is calling us to. Uh, can look many different ways in, in terms of day-to-day of -day life. Uh, maybe you're trying to get home at the end of a work day, but you've got a coworker who's struggling to keep up with their work and could really use an extra set of hands. If you choose to meet them in that need and serve them, putting your plans on hold, and giving extra of your time and energy in that? Or do you, um, you know, miss out on that, that opportunity to serve someone and, and prioritize your plans? Maybe it's uh, you, you make it home that night and all you want to do is, is crash on the couch. You don't have anything, anything left at the end of, of the day. But uh, your spouse would really benefit if you could jump in and help out with the dishes and the laundry that night you sacrifice that opportunity to rest uh, in order to serve your spouse in that moment. Uh, maybe you're running late for an appointment uh, and a neighbor stops by wanting to talk. Do you take the time to uh, meet them in that need, hear what's going on in their lives, find out what, what needs they may have that you can be meeting, give them a listening ear in a moment that they, that may be exactly what they need. We can't serve people if we don't take the time to, to talk to them and find out where they're at and, and what they're struggling with. Um, and, and sometimes that may require sacrificing some other thing that we have going on in life in order to care for the people that are in front of us at that moment. Um, in, in each of these cases, we're called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Christ, and to follow in His example Let's turn to, to Philippians 2 to uh, see that example spelled out and, and such a, a clear picture of Christ's humility. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, picking up in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, 
he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is such a, a powerful picture of Christ choosing to serve God above all else. Um, the, we, we see him here, even though he was equal with God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. We, as sinful human beings, are nowhere close to equality with God, and yet it is uh, so often that we count equality with God as something to be grasped, as we say, no God, my way is better. I know myself, I know what I need, I know how I can do this best, I know what I should do here, and we choose to go our own way instead of obeying God and his call in our lives. We need to repent of the pride that is in our hearts that wants to say, we are our own God, and we can and should do as we please, um, and, and humbly submit to God as Christ did. Humbly submit when it's hard, when it isn't the thing that we want to do, when it isn't the way that we want to do it. Um, in order to serve as Christ served, we must turn our eyes off of ourselves and be obedient regardless of personal cost. Uh, this uh, tie between humility and servanthood is, is further driven home by the call that Jesus placed on our lives to be slaves. Let's go ahead and turn to Mark 10, uh, verse 42. Uh, if you think about a slave, there is no ego, there is no glory, there's no opportunity to do as you please. Uh, a slave exists to serve. We have such a negative association with slavery because we want to be the master. We want to be the one calling the shots. Um, but with God as our master, being a slave can be a joy, even though it may still be painful and difficult. Um, we can trust that God is a good master and that his plans and his designs are far better than anything that, that we could imagine. However, Jesus knows that our sinful hearts desire to be the master rather than the slave. So that's where we see this passage in Mark 10, 42. And Jesus said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We have to lay aside our hearts that strive for control, that uh, strive to be the one calling the shots, and, and instead submit to God as our master and live as a servant to him and to our fellow man. He is calling us to serve the people around us, to view them above ourselves. Um, sometimes we can get it, uh, the, the picture right of, of Okay, God, your glory is far beyond anything I can imagine. I am below you, but we still are quick to turn to the person next to us and go, well, I'm at least better than them. <laughs> uh, 
And that is not the heart that God is, is calling us to here. It's to say that we are servant of all and slave to all. Um, and ultimately, that call to be a slave is not about just a, a facade of service. It's not about um, are you obedient and do you do all of the things, uh, but it is a complete and total identity that leaves no room for boasting, no room for serving ourselves. Um, Jesus drives this home in Luke, uh, Luke 17, verse 10. When you do all the things which were commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So as we, as we look back on all of this, uh, we can see through Christ what we ought to do, what we are called to do. Um, but that doesn't mean, uh, even if we desire to do that, that we can just flip a switch and start living as slaves, start living as servants to all those around us. Um, there are several barriers that exist in our hearts that we need to identify in order to bring those to God, in order to seek his work to break down those barriers. The, from the outset, we are by nature sinful. We do not want to seek for God or for his glory. We want to seek for ourselves, for our glory. Uh, we, we're by nature self-centered in that. We do not want to deny ourselves. We don't want to look to the interest of others first. We don't want to set our plans aside. And on top of that, even if we do set aside our self-centered nature and desire to serve others, we're still ultimately limited in our capacity. We are un often unable to meet our own needs, let alone the needs of the people around us. So as we look at, at these barriers, it seems uh, crippling. Um, but in the midst of that, the gospel provides hope and power to change. Um, in order to turn from that uh, sinful nature that is in our hearts, we must remember anew each day that God is rightfully on the throne of our lives, that our purpose is to give him glory. We exist to serve and honor and glorify him. This requires us returning to the truths of the gospel fresh each day, reminding ourselves of who God is and who we are in respect to him and what he has done to redeem us as a people for himself. We also must seek and rely on the work of the Spirit in our hearts, uh, because our, our willpower, our desire, will never change our hearts to align with God. Only God can do that work. Um, but as we look back at, at Philippians 2, we see hope in that passage uh, that our hearts can change to regard others as more significant than ourselves, uh, to have the kind of compassion that Christ did. This verse 5 in, in Philippians 2 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the, the power by which we can change. The Spirit can align our hearts with His, that we can follow in His example of submission even to the point of death. 
When we trust God to provide all that we need, we can also turn our focus off of can we meet our own needs? Can we meet the needs of the people around us? Um, and, and no longer have to, to have a fear or anxiety about those needs being neglected or forgotten if, if we turn our focus elsewhere. Um, just as Jesus cares for the, the birds and for the flowers of the field, Jesus meets our needs. We can trust him in that. There will be times when he calls us to take steps of faith to move beyond our limits, uh, places where we think uh, our capacity has been reached and God says, I want you to go further. <laughs> I want you to do more in those situations. It um, doesn't mean that we should ignore our limitations. They are a very real thing. We are <laughs> finite people. Um, we have physical limitations and we have spiritual limitations. Rest is something that is very important. It's something that God established in the beginning of creation on the seventh day, and it's something that Jesus continued to model in the midst of his ministry. I've highlighted the many places where Jesus chose to serve people, even though he may have been tired, may have needed rest, but there were still other times that he did choose to prioritize rest, as we see in Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 where great crowds gathered to hear Jesus and to be healed of their infirmities. But Jesus would, would, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. You see Jesus taking these breaks from ministering to people to go out in the wilderness and pray, likely serving as both physical rest and spiritual refreshment. Um, we can't be serving other people apart from God's work in us. So we have to continually return and sit at his feet and delight in his presence, um, enjoy him anew and afresh uh, in order to be able to turn our, our, our face outwards to, to care for the people around us. So as we're trying to evaluate where, where is our limit, where is God calling us to go beyond our limits, when, when should we, we stop? I think the, the important thing to remember is that uh, when an opportunity to serve is, is presented, we should uh, approach that with eager hearts that say, is there any way that I can justify saying yes to this, rather than having hearts that say, what excuse can I use to say no and get out of this? <laughs> uh, because I don't think I have time for it. I don't want to make time for it. In both of those situations, it very well may be the case that no is the right answer, that, that God doesn't want us to you know, push beyond our limits in that situation, but God is honored by the heart that desires to serve beyond our means, rather than by the heart that seeks to hide behind our limitations. Um, it, that's definitely a, a difficult thing to, to figure out where that, that line should be, um, but bringing it to God in, in prayer and trusting him and trusting his leading in, in those unique situations and times is uh, critical. And, and in all cases, our heart desire should be to serve as many people as we can, as, serve as many ways as we can within life. It's good to remember that um, as limited people, our service is going to be limited possibly to, to, to very few people could just be spouse or kids, um, 
but that doesn't make the, that service any less glorifying to Christ. Um, as we talked about earlier, it's not uh, how many things we do, how many people we can, we can touch that brings glory to Christ, but it's our heart as we walk through our life that seeks to care for the people around us, however many people that is, wherever those people are, um, we're called to care for them. So I also don't want to uh, uh, look past the, the work of the Spirit um, that is so central to um, how we serve the body, how we serve one another, um, and how we can t in turn serve the world around us. Uh, but uh, this is something that um, we were able to spend a good chunk of time with uh, when Steve was walking through the study on the, the Spirit just a few months ago. Um, so we'll just uh, highlight uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. Um, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so it's important to remember that that the Spirit is at work in us as followers of Christ. He is empowering us to serve and care for people and likely in, in specific ways uh, that we are gifted to serve for the common good. The, the purpose of the Spirit's work in us is very much outwardly focused and how we can be um, caring for the people that God's, God's put around us. Uh, so. We, we should be taking time to stop and recognize ways that we can use the gifts that God has given us to meet the needs of the people around us. And we should also be willing to take those steps of faith, whether that's to go beyond our limits, to go outside of our comfort zone, um, but trusting that as we, we take those steps of faith that God will meet us and work in us. Uh, we're, we're seeking to do his will. We're seeking to walk in obedience to his call. Um, so I want to take um, the remainder of our, our time together just to spend uh, some time sharing together, trying to, to think through and talk through what uh, service can and, and should look like in, in our hearts and our lives together as, as a church body. Um, so one uh, us to break up into groups of you know four, five, six, whatever happens to be convenient around you, and uh, some questions that give uh, general ideas of, of things to think about, you know trying to to be specific and the things that we see in our own heart um, and the things the opportunities that we have in each of our lives um, in order to uh, grow and and better serving the people around us and better glorifying God in this in this way I'll go ahead and uh, uh, pray for us before we break off into those groups dear Lord we do um, just come to you as uh, broken and needy people who are so quick to uh, turn our eyes onto ourself um, God I pray that you would be at work in us to count others more significant than ourselves. 
to walk as uh, servants and slaves um, throughout our, our lives. God, I pray that you would empower us to care for the people that you've placed around us. I pray that you would uh, just fill us with your heart and your love for people. Fill us with your strength to go out and meet those people and care for them where they're at. God, I, I pray that you would be doing this uh, work in this church body, God, as, as you already are, uh, as we see in so many ways in, in our hearts that already are not what they were. Um, God, we just pray that you would, you would continue that work, continue shaping us and molding us to be like you and to image you to the world around us. We pray this all in your name. Amen. So yeah, feel free to take those.